we can literally save lives. And that is exactly what we're doing. We're saving lives. And that doesn't suck. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Kim Shaw Ellis updates us on exciting ways that Synergy Services is helping the community. Hopefully, these programs spread across the country and beyond and inspire others to action. While we do discuss some of the disturbing and all-too-real problems facing both neglected or abused pets and victims of domestic violence, we refrain from any graphic or detailed descriptions. But we have to acknowledge these issues if we are going to solve them. And that is what is so exciting and uplifting about this interview. Kim offers us so much positivity and hope. Let's join her in making our community and world safe for our neighbors and the animals we love. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund through donations or by making a purchase through one of the affiliates at rosiefund.org. This helps provide the Rosie Life starter kits that make sure senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. This makes them much more adoptable. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but popular levels include $30 to provide a collar and leash for a Rosie Life starter kit dog and $100 to cover an entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, including the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs looking for their forever home. Even if you aren't looking for a dog, watching and sharing the videos helps give these dogs much-needed exposure. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Next time on Dog Words, Sarah Peterson Davis tells us how her family was blindsided by their sweet Quincy's illness and his triumphant road to recovery. Stay tuned for this episode's closing comments for an update on Peach's Delight. As I've addressed in recent episodes, she's experiencing some end-of-life health issues. Perhaps our story can help you prepare for some of the issues you may face someday with your beloved companion. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guest on Dog Words, joining us in studio, is Kim Shaw-Ellis from Synergy Services. Welcome to Dog Words, Kim. Thank you. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about what you do for Synergy Services. Well, I just uh, recently retired after 33 years of law enforcement and um, 23 and a half I spent with Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. And during that time, I got opportunities to work with Synergy Services, which is an advocacy-based, primarily targeting domestic violence organization. They help youth, they help children, they help adults, they do amazing work. So many programs I can't even begin to describe. But because I got to work with them over the years, they asked if I would come work with them when I retired. And so in that, they created a position so I could join them. And that position uh, we've called Community Police Liaison. And so reason I say all that is to say that what I do is really try to bridge the gap between law enforcement and this community-based program that helps folks in the community who uh, are experiencing violence uh, in their homes uh, or homelessness or uh, different things that affect youth. So being able to kind of bridge that gap. Because there's things that the police need to do and there's things that police can't do that are not part of their charge 
And so someone who's in need of either Synergy or the police right. may access one of those, but also need the other. So that liaison to coordinate that and not just rely on that police officer knowing who to call or Synergy services being aware of what needs intervention from the police. Yeah. Also do a lot of education and training. Mm-hmm. So I get to continue to teach and train all the law enforcement agencies in the metro area and um, a bunch of different organizations. So I do a lot of community outreach in the sense of education and awareness. And again, just bridging gaps, just learning what needs are, trying to come up for solves, yeah. solutions. You're using the lingo. <laughs> yeah, that, That's okay. <laughs> this was a discussion that came up a while back on Dog Words about people who need services, whether it's domestic violence or homelessness or a variety of other things, may not pursue help because they're afraid of losing something. And in the case of dog words, that could be the family pet. If I report that I'm a victim, are they going to take my dog away? And it's sad that someone thinks that could be the outcome of getting help is my life's going to be worse. Yeah. Well, there's a huge co-occurrence of animal cruelty, animal abuse, and domestic violence. And a lot of times, well, you know, what is it? 70% of households have pets. You know, that's your family. That's your child. Mm -hmm. And so abusers know how to control intimate partners, and they will use that fear of harming that pet or harming the pet or relinquishing the pet or taking the pet and putting them out in the woods or whatever to maintain control and power over the survivor and the relationship to the victim of the domestic violence. And it's, it's a, a really hard thing for someone to get their needs met, find safety, resources, shelter, and help when there's no resource for that because less than 5% of domestic violence shelters have the ability to house pets. So if someone needs safety, needs to get away from an abuser who's violent, they don't have a place to go where they can take their family with them, where they can take their pet with them. And so a lot of times people can't leave because of that. I wouldn't leave my pet behind. No, and even if it is a shelter that will take pets, just as the remote possibility that the abuser would get custody of the children Mm. might keep you in that situation, the remote possibility that the pet's just going to be given back to this abuser Mm -hmm. and you're not there to protect it, whether you actually are able to protect it or not, but just the hope that you could... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be enough for you to make a really tough choice of mm-hmm. sacrificing yourself mm-hmm. to protect your loved one, whether it's a pet or a human. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what, what your listeners want to hear in this or not, but just in the last three months that I've really been tuned into some of the needs that our community has expressed. Because 33 years of law enforcement, I overlooked a lot of that. You know, law enforcement, we focus on the people part. Mm-hmm. And like uh, animal services, they focus on the animal mm-hmm. part. They don't connect. Law enforcement, police, we don't enforce animal laws. We don't enforce animal cruelty. We don't do that. Casey Pet Project, or now it's Casey Pet Project, they do that. So we don't see that. And you can't just say, well, but I'm going to take care of it anyway, because there's another call. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But we're there to, we're there to help the humans in that. So we overlook yeah. a lot of that. I mean, I was even a detective in domestic violence, and I did not see that huge connection, that huge co-occurrence. I just, I, I just overlooked it. In this chapter now, I get the opportunity through synergy to work on that piece. I get the opportunity to not just help people, but I can help animals now. I can help save pets' lives because we can focus on this. And just in the last three months, that's what I was getting ready to tell you, I have heard of situations where one abuser beat a kitten to death in front of their 10-year-old child. Another one um, strangled a cat to death in front of the victim. Another one hung a Doberman by its collar and leash so that the victim would come home and find them dead. Another one threatened the victim, that for every day that you're gone, I will starve your pet to death. And did starve the pet to death. And so imagine what that person has to think about now mm-hmm. and what they're feeling, the guilt, the whole, just trying to be safe. It's profound. Even though that is tough to hear, I'm not going to edit that out because I think people need to know. It's profound. Yeah, how it's profound awful. the problem is, the uh, depravity of which people are capable so that you don't look the other way it's, when there are red real. flags, when there are warning signs. It's real, and it happens all the time. And think of how easy it is for an abuser to do that. You can abuse, kill, harm a pet, and people would never know. Mm-hmm. It's real. So it's very exciting to be able to, at this chapter, help with that, because we have... I'm working really hard with uh, several organizations and we've partnered up to really make a difference in that arena. And we are, and it's, it's working. We're piloting a program here to do that. And I can't wait to tell you about it, but it's, it's very exciting. So these are the types yeah. of things I get to work on yeah. to answer your question. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that I often brag about on dog words is the animal welfare community in Kansas city. Mm. It's not just KC Pet Project, as awesome as it is. Right. There's lots of Pet Resource Center of Kansas City and so many rescue groups and events to help animals. But that's also true for serving people, oh, that there sure. are great organizations yeah. in Kansas City. It's all about collaboration. Yeah, and that's the catch, yeah. is mm-hmm. the collaboration piece. Yeah. Is that there with... Modern communication, social media, it's so much easier to have instant communication and notifications and letting this group know what this group is doing and we need your help and and not the way it would have been in the old days where you, you know, a couple times a year, let's have a meeting where we all get together and well, I'm going to have to call someone and leave a, a voicemail that will get checked tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's instantaneous. And, and again, you check each other's websites to see what's going on. So on the one hand, yes, it's easier to communicate. The flip side of that is there is so much information. Yeah. How do you keep track of who's taking care of what so that it doesn't slip through the cracks? It's hard. It's a lot of responsibility to be the person who's coordinating that and mm-hmm. help that collaboration take place. Well, and personal relationships are, I mean, they're everything. When you have a name to a face and you know a person, you know how they think, you know what their intentions are, you feel to reach, you feel to work together more, mm-hmm. I think. So social media, I think, to some degree has harmed that piece. 
that come together piece a lot. And so, I don't know, maybe because I've, I've been doing it for so long, I'm really intentional about that. So for me, I really seek to build those relationships so that we, we care about each other as well as what we're doing together. Because it takes a village. Mm-hmm. It really, really, really does. And especially when you're talking about the whole family concept and the whole community concept. When we work to support each other and, and help each other, then we help in every way. You know, pets get what they need. People get what they need. When we're trying to harm each other, no one benefits from that. An advantage and disadvantage of being a police officer or, or any first responder is that the advantage is you get to see the results of what you do. When, when you've helped someone, you're there. In the moment. In the moment. I want to frame this the right way. There are so many people who help from their keyboard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's great if you are getting the word out or mm-hmm, going online mm-hmm. to make a donation. And for some people, that's all they're in a position to do. A police officer can't respond to a call virtually. Right. It's like, oh, there's a problem. Let me email a solution. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like they're, yeah. There's, they're, you've got to look somebody yeah. in the eye. You've got to yeah. you know, put your hands on someone to yeah. either help them or restrain them. Yeah. And you've got to be there and totally invested in it. Because you can send an email kind of half distracted. It's like, yeah, I'm on it. I'm sending this email mm-hmm. while you're listening to music or talking to someone and not really engaged. So you spent 33 years of being engaged and recognizing, like you said, <clears throat> knowing who you can trust, having those relationships, knowing what someone's intent is, which can be lost mm-hmm. online. You can't sure. always tell from an email or a website mm-hmm. what you can when you shake someone's hand or you look them in the eye or see how they respond to a situation. So that's invaluable, I'm sure, in your current role as liaison. So tell us how that's being applied, what programs are underway. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm excited. I can't even believe this. So since I've been with Synergy, uh, again, one of the things that I really wanted to work on the most is that, that piece, that connection, that helping people get their needs met and not have to worry about the safety of their pets. And we've partnered with several domestic violence agencies in the metro area, and we've all partnered with an organization called Bestie BNB. It's B-E-S-T-Y, B, N as in Nancy, and then B again. So bestiebnb.com. And I'll link to that in the description along with synergyservices.org. That is very much, if you think of it like an Airbnb. Uh Uh-huh. For pets. For your bestie. For your bestie. We're piloting this program here in the metro area. And Bestie is a web-based technological platform that's highly secure. And what they have done, Matt Krantz and Andy Bond have partnered. They're, they have, uh, they're the executives of this new Bestie B&B organization. And what they've done is they've created a platform so that a victim or survivor of domestic violence comes into shelter, let's say, the shelter administrator can upload that client information into this platform. And based on this client's pet, what type of pet, what the pet's needs are, etc., reaches to 
a caregiver that's in the organization mm-hmm. that has been vetted, trained, background investigated, and has their profile in, and it connects. So what happens is I, as an administrator for the shelter, can find a place for this client's pet to stay in safety, not having to be confined in a kennel. Stressed out more than it already is. Stressed out more than it is. With a caregiver who loves pets, who's already vetted, who has a home, who maybe has another pet that could be like a play date every Mm day. Fenced in yard if that's what's needed or whatever the needs are for the pet. We as an administrator can find this connection based on who our caregiver network. The caregiver, because it's highly secure, the technology, the caregiver never knows who the client is for confidentiality and safety of the client, and the client never knows who the caregiver is for safety and privacy of the caregiver. But they can connect through this web base, through avatar, through whatever they can email, or they can uh, send messages, they can send pictures, videos of the pet. So while this client is getting their needs met, and they're getting safe, and they're getting healthy, they know their pet is safe, and they can be in contact. Uh, without anybody having to know who the other's identity is. It's brilliant. And they're starting off Mm -hmm. with that platform and working, like I say, in this arena. But Bestie B&B also does just for consumers. So let's say you were going out of town and you needed Mm -hmm. a place for your pet. You yourself could get online and you could find a caregiver. And the caregiver network that you would be exposed to as a consumer Mm -hmm. would not be the same caregiver network that I get exposed to, that I can find as an admin for a domestic violence shelter because of that privacy and security. So you could get online right now and you could say, well, how many caregivers are there in Bestie B&B? And you would not be able to see the but you're using domestic that, violence yeah, but caregivers. But you're using that expertise well, the, the, that they have, that platform the connection. that they have. Because it's secure, our database allows us to have that connection with those caregivers. Yeah. Whereas just that Bestie B&B oh, already knows how to do this. Right. Oh, yeah, that's it's what like, they so, do. So we've got this platform yep, yep, yep. that they're we brilliant. repurpose. Yeah, and they're wonderful. Like, we've and they're dog owners. This work. All yep. we have to do is add the anonymity. Yep, yep, yep. Well, and this, this, like I said, this highly secure, like that's what they do. And they have built this in the last couple of years. They've worked, they've focused completely on that. I think uh, Matt comes from a background in like production and, and movies and things like that. And Andy comes from a background, he's, he's got a legal background and both of them have technology expertise. So they've come together best friends from like their whole life. So they've mm-hmm. come together to make this and uh, again, they're focusing right now on the domestic violence community, but they also have a caregiver network just for others. And they're going to expand it to like veterans, military folks who might be getting deployed or, you know, I don't know. But I'm thankful to get the opportunity to work with such amazing people who are so well-intended and want to make a difference in the world and give back. And, you know, I'm just in a position where I can help that succeed. And that's what we're doing. And so we've partnered with KC Pet Project. We've partnered with other domestic violence organizations. And I'm so excited. Well, I can't well, that stand system, and it works. You, yeah. Well, that system you describe yeah. probably has been done on some scale informally because you happen to have someone working at a shelter who knows someone who's mm. a, a dog lover and it's like, well, they would take care of uh-huh. your dog. But with it being informal, the survivor doesn't have the confidence that 
Am I losing my dog? Will I ever get my dog back? Am I giving? Yep. Here they know mm-hmm. this is a formal structure. Well, We've got this figured out. Liability issues. There's mm-hmm. waivers that, you know, so the administrator gets all of that taken mm-hmm. care of. If something happens where, let's say, the client can't care for their pet or they abandon or something like that happens, because of that legally, because of that formal thing that you're talking about, mm-hmm. we have the ability as an administrator to step in on behalf of the pet. So the caregiver never is in a position where they're, I hate to use the word stuck, but where they're not mm-hmm. stuck with a pet or they don't have yeah. financial they've not concerns. they've made that commitment to right. take this pet on forever. Like, right. I can take care of this for three for, months or right? whatever. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It is. They've really dotted their I's, they've crossed their T's, they've done a lot of research to know what the needs are of the clients, of the domestic violence shelters, and of the caregivers. And we also have like training around it, so people mm-hmm. can get on and they can link into training, videos, etc. It's brilliant. So Bestie B&B provides a platform. Are there other resources you need to make that collaboration work? Transportation, pet food, general pet supplies? caregivers. You can just be a caregiver. I think Bestie B&B charges, like, I think they have you pay $30 towards your uh, background investigation, but that's it. Like, it doesn't cost you money to be a caregiver. In fact, caregivers can charge what they want, just like Airbnb. Mm -hmm. For domestic violence agencies, just waiving the fee and not charging a nightly fee is what domestic violence resources need because mm-hmm. there's a technology fee that Bestie B&B charges is $8 a night just so that they can maintain and keep everything going. So the DV shelter is the one who pays that caregiver. So the funding comes out of the, the shelter. So you as a client who comes in and needs services for your pet, I as an admin will find that caregiver for you through the platform but then I, as a domestic violence agency, pay that caregiver or just pay that $8 nightly fee. If the caregiver is kind enough to donate their services, you know, the least I want to do as a DV shelter is pay for food. I don't want to strain the foster. I don't want to strain mm-hmm. the caregiver. You don't want to strain the caregiver and you don't want the survivor making a financial decision. Cause, yeah, because they can't. Yeah. So that's a thing. And the good news is the few caregivers that we have in the network right now, they don't charge. They don't charge an alley fee because they care. They're there to make a difference in that arena for folks. That's their way of being able to help the survivor and help the pet in that situation get safe. There are things, there are ways that people can be even involved with this mm-hmm. that can be helpful. And that looks like yeah. volunteering for transportation or for because, yeah, you got to get them to the caregiver. Vaccinations or for, you know, emergency care pet needs. And but even Because the, then I would pay, like, the DV shelter if a pet was injured or hurt. Or let's say a pet gets sick while they're in caregiver's care. The DV shelter will pay for those veterinary needs. And as you know, those are oh yes a lot. So what that does is that confines the DV shelter to only being able to allow care for a few pets at a time mm-hmm. because our budget is so small that we can't go past that. And if like something happens, then we can't help a client who has needs for their pet. And that's where the challenges are coming. That is probably going to be the next step trying to find. But you can see how, that. or I can see how as this expands in Kansas city and beyond someone taking on 
that as their charitable right outreaches. I don't want domestic violence shelters paying this eight dollar fee. Yeah, or the I think I, what I, I'm I, more I, worried about is the vet fees and or the, the vet fees like and the unexpected mm-hmm, getting, and, vet and fees and are expensive and, and someone who doesn't have a lot of money but wants to contribute it's like eight bucks. Yep. If you could pay eight bucks a night for a month, yep. that's two hundred forty bucks. That's a lot of money, but do a fundraiser for that with you know right your neighborhood lemonade stand or something something for your kids to do that. Right. Helps out, yeah. But somebody who owns a small business mm-hmm. who is looking mm-hmm. for how can I give back? How can mm-hmm. I be a conscientious member of my community? Yeah, I'm going to pay vet fees. Yeah, I can handle more than an eight dollar a night. I can handle spay and neuters or right. minor surgery, which these dogs might need, yeah. or even major surgery, yeah. or donate cat litter, mm-hmm. or donate food, or donate yeah. Like if you're a vet. And you want to donate vaccinations or mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Cause and you don't have to. These are the things I'm working through, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, just stuff, man. There's these are all the kinds things. Of things our listeners can do and the community can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, again, it takes a village. But when the village comes together, we can literally save lives. And that is exactly what we're doing. We are saving lives. And that doesn't suck. No. <laughs> you know it? Well, you know, here's another thing. I'll give an example of what I mean by how everybody can help. We had a client who the pet needs that client had were for turtles. Turtles. Those were the first pets that we saved. But here's what happened. There were several turtles. There were like seven. The abuser killed one of the turtles and broke the aquarium. So here we have someone fleeing a violent situation with pets that are very important to them. They've had them for six, seven years. The names were precious. I wish I could share all of that. But coming in now, fleeing, literally with the clothes on their back, and the pets that matter to them, their family, and we don't have a habitat for these turtles. Mm-hmm. So how do we manage that? Well, now we've got to find a way, right, to get or pay for or buy habitat for these or have a caregiver who's willing to do that and that who knows a little bit about turtles right you can give me six turtles i'd have no idea i, would I be wouldn't Googling either right you'd have to and, and, and hope that i googled the right website for the right kind of turtles yeah. i mean who, I, who knew who knew this like box turtles. light and food and turtle. crickets and like i mean yeah. but it, it so Where do i get these crickets? i don't even know what to do right <laughs> so i was i was personally at like pet smart trying to find what I needed to get so I could put it together for this caregiver because the caregiver didn't know they were going to ever have. But that's this is the idea too, is a caregiver can sign up and care for whatever pets they want, whatever pets they don't want. They list their profile. They develop their profile and they can decide if they only want to care for puppies, if they only want to care for adult dogs, if they only want to care for dogs that are less than 25 pounds. Like, so, yeah, it's just like the foster program at KC Pet Project. You know, these yes. are the animals, and yes. I don't, I can't handle big dogs, or right. I only want big dogs. But that's what I mean. Like, we had this client come in, and I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with these turtles. Yeah. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? So, And you don't want this person who's taken the step to get help, the first response they get is, I don't know what to do with your pet. Right. What it needs to be is... We got this. We got this. Don't worry. 
So that's where the village comes in, man. Because we need litter and pop-up kennels and, and things for this. We have people who flee and they don't have the opportunity or the resources to bring everything their pet needs with them. Mm -hmm. So we may need to have on hand some collars, some harnesses, some things that you might need for your pet Mm -hmm. to keep your pet safe and to keep others safe. And if you need a terrarium for turtles and this person shows up at 11 o'clock at night, right? PetSmart's not open at 11 o'clock at night. There's that. Even if the manager at PetSmart said, oh, we'll give you a deal on a terrarium, it's like, well, they're not open. Right, right. Yeah, so the caregiver who was amazing, by the way, was like, well, I'm trying to learn too, but I want to help. I'm going to figure it out. So they got online and they looked it all up and they ended up putting a, uh, you know, those big, like a uh, plastic rubber made tubs. Mm-hmm. They use that for an interim and they put mm-hmm. rocks in there and put a little water and they did everything they could to learn everything they needed to learn. And we just worked together to make sure it worked out. But it, that, that's what I mean by it. you just, you just don't know. And I can think through so many things. Like, that's how I work, right? I think mm-hmm. through, but I can't think through everything. It's impossible. So when stuff comes up, you've got to have a village, man. It's just so important to me. Collaboration, relationship building, team. We have to do that to help our community and our pets in our community thrive and survive. We just have to. It makes a difference. Yeah. Well, there's does. a reason an officer doesn't come out of the academy and is immediately a detective because you don't know enough to connect dots, right? You have to have the experience that when you see something happen, okay, that happens because of this, yes, or that leads to that. And when you're 20, right, you don't have enough experience. Yeah, this is the same thing. Yeah, you have to have experience right. with right addressing these situations before you even realize, yeah. oh, there's a problem. Yeah, and you need the support and the resources then to meet those problems, needs, and overcome those challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, but I really believe that. I really believe when people think about what they can do versus focusing on what they can't do, it changes your perspective all the way around. And you have to honor the challenge. You have to honor the problem. You know what? Gosh, this is this is hard. I don't want this to happen, but okay, what can I do? I'm going to give you an analogy that's going to sound very elitist, but listeners know I'm a golfer and oh, I nice. teach private yoga for golfers. One of the biggest problems that amateur golfers have is, first of all, they don't visualize their shot. They go, this is a 150-yard shot. This is my 150-yard club. I'm going to hit it. And they don't visualize, this is how you should be shaping the shot. This is what the ball flight should be. Based on your stance, the wind, your target area, is it someplace where the ball is going to bounce or is it going to check up? You need to think about all that. And then you visualize that shot in your head and then make the swing. So that obviously is applicable to how am I going to make something work? It's like, think about all of the moving parts, how we're going to put this together, visualize it, and then execute. So on the golf course, visualize your shot and then execute. And maybe in your visualization, you realize, I can't get the distance I need with this club because this is an awkward stance. And because I'm visualizing it, I've identified that. I'm not just automatically pulling this club for this distance. So that's leading into the biggest problem that most amateur golfers make is not just that they don't visualize their shot, it's that when they do, they're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm. There's a tree in the way. There's a sand trap short of the green. Mm. I need to carry water that's 10 yards in front of me. And instead of thinking about, that's my target, that's what I'm going for, they're focused on, I don't want to go in that water. Mm. And so they're making their swing <laughs> thinking about, 
I don't want to end up in the water. And then that's where they go. And that's what happens. <laughs> so yeah, if your visualization is one. don't hit the tree, yeah. you're going to hit the tree. That's so true. But you got to honor. You got to see that the tree is there. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge gotta, it. And then now what do I do to avoid the tree? And then focus on visualizing yes. that properly executed shot. <laughs> yes. And so, but in life, people do that too. They yeah. focus on what's wrong. What do I have to avoid? Right. Yes, you need to acknowledge that. Yeah. But don't focus your energy there. Don't fixate on yeah. what might hold you back or what might go wrong. Yeah. Acknowledge it. Identify how you're going to overcome that and visualize that success. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be a better golfer too. <laughs> Free golf tips, people. <laughs> so back to the program with Bestie B&B. You say it's being piloted in this area in Kansas yep, City. We're piloting it right here, creating a blueprint. Have you had other municipalities reaching out or have you let others know, hey, we're doing this. Does anybody else want to be the next phase of rollout with this? Yes. And that's a, a Bestie B&B, Matt and Andy or Zoe question. They are doing a lot of outreach right now. but Because the reason I ask is we have listeners literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if someone is thinking, I why are this. we not doing this yeah. in Austin? Why yeah. are we not doing this in Wales? That's what we're working toward. I say we. I don't work for Bestie B&B. I work alongside them, and I support them with everything I am. And so when I say we, that's what I mean, we, a village. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are building this the best way that we can right now. We're trying to fill in the gaps. We're trying to provide the training that's needed for folks, and we're trying to to get everything streamlined so that, yes, so that it can expand outward and we can help others succeed in the same area. It's it's Mm -hmm. easy to get excited about it and say, oh, look how it's working. Uh And then you roll it out to, you know, Chicago. It's like, well, it's different. Different. We didn't think through. Mm -hmm. So you want to figure it all out now because if you expand it to 20, 30, 40, 1,000 municipalities and then figure out there's this one key thing we overlooked. Right. And now we've got to rectify that across the world. Right. Yeah, you really want to make sure you get it figured out. Just like a restaurant, before you expand, Mm -hmm. make sure you have everything nailed down Mm -hmm. here. That's what we're working on right now. And we literally just rolled it out in uh, October, November. Another reason to be really proud of what Kansas City does. Yes. We have an amazing community here. We really do. When we come together, we we come together. Mm -hmm. That's another. We just need to do it more often. And we do. We do. We need to. And it's such a hard time. You know, we're just in such a place of fear and scarcity right now with all the stuff that's been going on. There's been so much drama in the last couple of years for everyone, and I'm hopeful that 2022 is going to bring a a different chapter. You know, where we can start to to see each other again. Where we can start to you know care for another again. And hopefully use the strengths that have been forged over the last couple of years Through and our, not yeah. just it be, well, we got a lot better at doing takeout. <laughs> well, and, and let's, going forward, let's call it what I, it will, is. I will never go into, thing. I don't have to go into grocery stores again. <laughs> I can just order and get curbside. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. hopefully we learned more than that. Yeah, I think we have. I think, we and, and we'll carry that forward. Anything else in the pipeline that oh, uh, yes. that you're working so on? So, yeah, yeah. So another thing I've, I've gotten the opportunity to do through this uh, is uh, also uh, built a relationship with folks at the uh, Casey Pet Project and been doing some training for them in uh, in some areas. So uh, another thing that I've learned is 
there's another gap in reaching folks in the community who suffer from uh, domestic violence and reaching them if law enforcement doesn't come to the home and if they never get contacted by or never have contact with an advocacy-based organization, never get the information for that, a lot of times animal services has contact with the home through maybe a cruelty complaint mm-hmm. or a neglect complaint, and they'll come in contact with folks and they'll discover that there's a lot going on in the family, that it's not, mm-hmm. you know, just... I'm not a mental health professional or a psychologist, but just anecdotally, my experience is that people are not selectively cruel. If you see cruelty in any area, it is that is the tip of the iceberg. Broader. That is the best way to put it. Exactly. And again, in law enforcement, we didn't get those calls for animal cruelty, for animal neglect. We didn't get them. Mm-hmm. We get people calls. So there's a big piece that's missing. So I'm working with Casey Pet Project and Rose Brooks. We've all partnered together to build another pilot program to provide the tools, the training, and the skill set to animal services officers and their cruelty teams so that when they get calls and they get in contact with families, they're going to ask some screening questions to determine whether or not this person they're in contact with needs connection to resources for domestic violence. And that can also help the pet in that situation. And now we also have the resources to connect them to. So trying to fill this whole picture with saying, okay, recognize this is an issue, but we also need resources to help with this issue. What does that look like? Well, working with uh, KC Pet Project to try to come up with just some basic screening questions that hospitals ask, that people ask all over that just say, hey, do you need resources? Are you fearful? Are you worried about a pet? Are you scared your pet is going to be harmed by someone? If so, we would really like to connect you to fill in the blank, Rosebrooks, Synergy, Whatever. Animal services officers have to be so relieved to get that training because how many times do they walk into a situation where they think, right. oh, I wish I knew what to do. I wish right. I could help. Yes. I'm here for this dog. But yes. as I look around you know, at these the tip children of the iceberg. and yeah, yeah. It's, they need help yeah. that I can't provide. Yeah. yeah, it's just an exciting, brilliant concept to be able to work on and make it work. And so we are in... Casey Pet Project has been extraordinarily receptive to that. They have this whole community concept, and I've been super impressed with them and their team. Just, I have been. I've worked really closely with several of the people there, and I've had the the opportunity to train most of their staff, and I've just been really excited to build these relationships and to see their intention and work together to make a difference. So we're doing that, and that's going to roll out here. I think we're we're planning to roll it out in March. We're going to start the training in January and February, we're building the training right now to provide to them. And then uh, I'm actually going to work with them in the field to help implement the the process and to help provide like some field training for their officers. So I'm excited. That is exciting. It's mm-hmm. something that as the community learns about it, I would hope would prompt more Awareness and action on the part of our neighbors. Yes, that's what's needed. As a dog lover, people are more important than dogs. It's, it's hard for me to say that, but it's when, it, when you have to make a choice between well, the person and the dog, yeah. the person. 
So this is what's wonderful about it is you don't have to make that choice. Exactly. So like now, you help one, you're helping both. So so now the person who's right. thinking uh, right. it's not worth it right. just to help this this yeah. poor animal, but hey, you're helping that yeah abused spouse or yeah. those neglected children. Yeah. Did you know that more than fifty percent of households where there's domestic violence involved, and there are children, more than fifty percent also involve child abuse. So where there's domestic violence in a home and there are children, it's, it's a great chance that there's also child abuse. Mm-hmm. Now add the pet to that equation. Yes. There's a greater chance that there's pet abuse going on as well. And it can look all kinds of different ways, but you'd never know it because mm-hmm. the pet doesn't have to show up at school. Right. The pet isn't going to go to the doctor because of Mm -hmm. all, I mean, it might. And that is another place that we've had to build partnerships, by the way, that just took me back. Mm -hmm. In this new program, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do. We need, you know, to be able to provide vaccinations because a lot of times people come in for services and their pet isn't vaccinated. Well, it makes it a challenge then to find a caregiver maybe who has other pets Mm -hmm. and they don't want to expose their other pets to those things. Or spay and neuter. Right. So that's another reason why it's so important to partner with other organizations who who feel to help and who feel to want to help people and pets together or or donate or like whatever that ends up looking like Mm -hmm. to make a difference in this arena. There are needs that need to be met. And these are the gaps that we're working to fill in right now by piloting this project, you know, transportation for the pet. There are a lot of things and um, it's exciting. Uh, but also, right, we're, we're finding all of the roadblocks. It's Not roadblocks, but like the stumbles, like mm-hmm. the things like, oh, my gosh, wow, I never thought of that. What if the pet has been abused at the same time the victim has? What if the victim goes to the hospital? What do we do with the pet? How do we get to the pet to the caregiver? The, how it's, do we get the pet's emergency yeah, medical needs? It's just like starting met? a business. Like it's, yes. That it's like, I know I'm going to provide this service, and I'm good at this service, so right. I launch my business, and right. I'm going to have a website, and I'm going to but you don't know about all these other things yeah. that you have to do to make the website yeah, work yeah, yeah, and get yeah, licensed yeah. with the city exactly. and, and do all this. But no, I just, you know, I want to do this service. Yeah. So yeah, there's a great service that you're providing, but then <laughs> what are all these moving parts? Yeah, there's stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's worth it, yeah. you know, it's just worth it all. And that's the other reason why it's so important to have collaboration and partnerships and relationships because I could say, hey, man, I'm running into this right now. Do you got any ideas? And I can mm-hmm. call April at Casey Pet Project, mm-hmm. she and I have become yeah, really good April friends. Yeah, we've had April on. She's great. I love her. Uh, I can call her and be like, you know, I'm really sorry to bug you with this, but, you know, and then she'll call me sometimes. She'll say, hey, we just came into this situation, and I don't know what resources to use for this victim who's blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. This person's expressing they've got domestic. Can you help with, you know, and so mm-hmm. here we go. Because we're working together. And there's somebody who runs a food pantry who's encountered something like this before and said, oh, here's what you got to do because I've been running this food pantry for 30 years. Right. Nobody knows everything. And until you build relationships to fill in those gaps and you start to work together to to, to have that common goal of making a difference, we just just can't do it by ourselves. It takes a village. Well, one thing that excites me about the animal service officers doing screening, which is not... It's easy for me to say this because I'm not the officer who has to do it. It doesn't seem like a great burden. Yeah, it's that, only going to be like a few I, questions. It's just like, a, yep. a handful of questions. Easy. Yep. When someone calls to report a neglected animal, uh-huh. you don't know sometimes, sometimes you do know, whether it is neglect uh-huh. or just ignorance. Right. Because there can be a pet owner 
who right. doesn't know how to take care of the pet. Or doesn't have the financial ability to. And so like can't buy a house. Yeah. And a so animal house. services can come in and say, we've got this resources. But the only problem here is the dog is outside a lot. And it, if it had a dog house, everything would be fine. And here's the service that'll get you a dog house. But it gets closer to the situation so they can see this is someone who is just abusing their dominion over this poor animal. Yeah. And then that screening comes into play with how is that also being manifested with the other relationships in this household? Right. And asking those questions. And the neighbor doesn't have to figure out, is this ignorance or neglect? They just have to see what are the results of the behavior. There's a dog that's out in the cold or suffering in some way. Uh And then animal services gets to step in and do the solve. Right, and provide resources and connections. And and it's uh fixed or Uh no, this is the sign of a deeper problem and we are now contacting. Right, and we can work together to help get through this. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. How could you not be excited? I I mean, I'm (laughs) busting at the seams. I was so excited to have the opportunity to come talk with you because I want to share this with the world. Like, I want everybody to know that it makes a difference. What you do makes a difference and an impact. And, and you know, when when you are able to fill in gaps, it is so hard for people to get connected to resources. And especially when they're in a situation where they're really, they just want to be safe. They just want the violence to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. To have to worry about a pet is such a big thing. That's your family. Mm-hmm. It's your kid. And uh, for a lot of people, also, your emotional support. Your emotional support animal. Maybe even bigger than that. Maybe you have a disability. Yeah, we've talked about that with so many guests. How do you leave that pet behind? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't. And regular listeners hopefully are not getting tired of me making this point. But when you look at a homeless person, and I think particularly of like a homeless vet who is getting assistance in caring for their pet, like they're getting free dog food or spay and neuter or vaccines, the perspective that, well, if they can't take care of the pet, maybe they shouldn't have a pet, that pet may be what's keeping them alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's such an unfortunate way to look at it. It, I, I, I mean, meaning... They shouldn't have a pet. I just differ with that opinion. I agree with, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's a challenge because they don't have the means. And I think that that's a whole nother huge issue. But I see that that's where the community can be supported. There's a lot of help that this person needs. And there may be lots of entities that have failed this person, which is why they're in this position. Or it may be just choices they made. Sure. But regardless... Taking away the pet is a move in the wrong direction. Maybe you can't do everything you need to help this person. Maybe there's so many things that need to be coordinated. Unfortunately, that's often the case. But let's not start by taking away the thing that gets them up in the morning. Yeah. That gives them purpose. Yeah. That gives them love. And a lot of times keeps them from using Mm -hmm. because they know they have that responsibility. There are a lot of folks who have the responsibility of a pet and that keeps them on track Mm -hmm. when they're trying to succeed and trying to use resources that are in place to help them do so. And when we take that piece away, yeah. yeah. There's exponential benefit to 
helping them with their pet. Yeah. And really well, no upside helps, to taking the pet away. Helps the pet too. Yeah. Because so the let's, pet's being loved. Yeah. Let's help them both. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. Gosh. So yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, and for our listeners, it's not just, this is a news update on something that's happening on Kansas City. It's also hopefully making them aware that problems can be solved. Don't just shake your head at what's wrong with this world. Do something. Yeah, it doesn't take much to make a difference. So Kim and your colleagues are doing all you can. Maybe there's listeners out there who have some advice. Maybe you've worked with programs similar to this or see some overlap and say, oh, hey, I know how to solve the transportation problem. Mm. Or I know how you can expand your network of caregivers for pets. Mm -hmm. Whatever idea you have, I'm sure they'd love to hear it. And maybe it's one they've heard before. Maybe it's not going to work. But maybe it's exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. And the only way to find out is if you offer your solution. And uh, if you don't have a solution... Maybe you have time, talent, treasure that you can offer. Synergyservices.org is going to be linked in the description. Any other resources we've mentioned in this episode, I'm going to link in the description. Kim, Shaw Ellis, I'm so excited about uh, what you're doing, and I can't wait to have you back for updates because I know these aren't the only programs that uh, you're going to be a part of. No, I'm... I'm not done. Like, I joke about it. I'm like, you know, it was time for me to put the uniform down. It's been, you know, I, I wore it for a little over 33 years, but I am just not done. And I, I'm privileged and honored to work for an organization that supports yeah. me in continuing to make a difference in a real way. Were you this busy before you retired? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, uh, for the last eight years that I worked with KCMO PD, I was an academy instructor. I taught basic training. And for the last four years of those eight... I overlapped as the diversity officer for Kansas City, Missouri. And so I was literally, it was just like working two full-time jobs, really. But I loved it. You know, I just, it's its my calling to do all I can to make a difference. And I'm thankful to be able to surround myself with folks who help me do that as much as I can. And I, I work for an organization right now that does nothing but support me. And I've, I'm so thankful. Well, that's another key point that I want to make sure I convey is just looking at you, you clearly, genuinely love what you're doing. And I do. Just because Kim is doing this doesn't mean this is what everyone else needs to do. There's something that you love. Do that. Mm. And if it is a way to help the community and give back Mm -hmm. in a way different, entirely different from what Kim is doing, follow that. Mm -hmm. Pursue that. Because even though it can be exhausting and draining, sometimes frustrating, if it also gets you excited, Mm. that's where you need to be. If it never gets you excited, maybe it's time to reflect on where you're at, what you're doing, and make some different choices. Joy is important. Yes. That's a great way to go out. Let's, Let's send people out with joy. Kim... Shaw Ellis with Synergy Services. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for coming into the studio. I am always so grateful when I can look someone in the eye and see how genuine and passionate they are. Makes it much easier to do the interview. So again, thank you for coming in and thank you for what you do. I really appreciate 
I, this is an opportunity for me, and I thank you for making a difference every day. Thank you for what you do. You are welcome. Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Stay tuned for an update on Peach's Delight. Thank you to Kim Shaw Ellis for joining us today. A link to SynergyServices.org is in the description, along with other resources and topics covered in this episode. Next time on Dog Words, Sarah Peterson Davis tells us a scary story with a happy ending. Sorry, but not sorry for the spoiler. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule, at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Don't forget to join Laurel and Sasha as they explore new music and delve into the inspiration behind each work as hosts of Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. Click on the Sound Currents link in the description for more information. Go to rosyfun.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosyfund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. And now for an update on Peaches. Last time I told you, Peaches seemed to suffer no side effects from her first chemo treatment. That was a little premature. Typically, side effects manifest within three to five days, but Peaches held out for about a week before she had some intestinal distress, which led to little over three days of needing to go outside every 30 to 40 minutes, which slowly stretched to about 90-minute intervals before returning to her normal schedule, which for the last few months was getting up a couple times at night. She actually started sleeping through the night for a couple days, but now it's back to getting up every couple hours due to her hyperparathyroidism and bladder cancer. The day that I'm recording this update, Tuesday, January 18th, we'll be heading to her second chemo treatment. They'll dial back the dosage to see if that reduces some of those side effects, even though they were delayed. We'd like to minimize them as much as possible because the whole goal here is not to cure the cancer. It's to keep it from metastasizing or diminishing her quality of life to the extent that it's no longer worth living. Eventually, we're going to have to make the hard decision of when to help her pass, but we're doing whatever we can to minimize or eliminate whatever suffering we can in the meantime. Peaches has had some stretches of extreme laziness, even for her. She just wants to sleep all the time instead of just 80 or 90% of the time. But once she shakes off those side effects, she is her same perky self. The bossiness never goes away. She lets us know what she wants. Peaches has been eating lots of chicken and rice. It's easy on the tummy. As the intestinal distress subsided, her appetite returned, and we started mixing more kibble in, and she actually put on a little weight, which is very exciting. She's nowhere near what her peak healthy weight was, but at least she's not losing weight like she had been. That's a win. Interestingly, even though her meal appetite was dampened for a while, Her snack appetite has never diminished. If you know how she feels about dentistics, 
that enthusiasm has been there, and she's let us know every evening that she's ready for her dentist sticks, as well as her go-find routine, where we hide treats around the house, and she tracks them down, occasionally even going on a go-find before we put the treats out. But hey, that's exercise and stimulation, whether the treats are there or not. One challenge has been Kansas City winter weather, so going outside frequently when it's bitter cold or sleeting is not great, but we bundle her up. If it's cold but dry, she has a comfy fleece that she can sleep in so that when she steps outside, she's still snuggled up in that, keep her a little warmer, but she's not gotten as many walks just because our streets and sidewalks aren't as clear as they really need to be for us to be comfortable with taking her for an extended walk. We have made a couple trips to the big box stores that are dog friendly. Thank you to them. Not only does she get exercise there, she gets lots of love. If you follow us on Facebook, you've seen one of the videos we have of her after one of those walks, sniffing around outside the store and rolling in the grass, not really being interested in wrapping up the walk just yet. So Peaches is still Peaches. We're going to keep supporting her, keep loving her, and celebrating 2022, the year of Peaches. Again, if you have any ideas on how we can celebrate Peaches, pass those along at rosyfun.org. And remember, celebrate the loved ones in your life, both human and animal. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other.